Welcome to the Unexpected Gardener podcast. My name is Sabrina and I'm the Unexpected Gardener because being a a person that grows food, gets dirty, is outside, sweats, and even cares about this kind of thing is completely unexpected. I am a city girl turned modern homesteader on 0.18 acres and that's what we talk about at this podcast. All things related to gardening, slow food, cooking from scratch, sourdough, and everything else in between. So today we're going to talk a little bit about garden planning. It's one of my favorite things to do and I get excited talking about it and I thought it was really kind of the perfect time. So at the date I'm recording this is the 3rd of January, 2024 new year uh and i'm already thinking about what my garden is going to look like and i want to talk to folks like me who might have some experience and are starting to think about their garden but really the the newbie the person who maybe you've never gardened before you're sort of in this space where you're feeling the tug that it's important to learn how to grow your own food but you have no idea where to start I'm kind of talking to you and you really are my ideal listener Um, because I really want, that's kind of my goal. My goal in everything I do with my uh, brand Unexpected Gardener is to bring as many of you as I can into the sphere of modern homesteading. And, you know, when I say modern homesteading, I mean, you know, in our mind, when we think of homesteading, we're thinking of somebody with, you know, five rolling acres and horses and cows and whatever. And, and that is really not what makes a homesteader. Of course, there are plenty of homesteaders that have that. I do not. I grow on 0.18 acres. I'm in an HOA neighborhood. I'm not even allowed to have chickens. And I have a really small area that I can grow in. Um, and I can, I started to really think and wish that I had more and I spent some time sort of in that limiting, you know, mindset where I was like, if I only had this, if I only had more gardening space, I could grow a year's worth of tomatoes and can it, or, you know, if only, if only, if only. And then I really felt like God was like, look, you are where you're supposed to be and you need to be content where you are and you need to work from where you are. And that really that really switched my mindset. And since then, um, I think my influence has grown dramatically on social media and the like, because there are more of you out there like me than there are who are actually can relate to having a big homestead with lots of land and whatnot. There's more of you like me who maybe you live in an apartment, you live in a townhouse, you have a small, you know, yard, you live in an HOA neighborhood, like maybe you, there's more of you. So that is who I'm talking to. And we're going to go through kind of my process of when I am planning my garden. And I'm going to talk a little bit about um, kind of from the space of like, you've never done this before. So let's jump in. So the first thing you really need to do when you're deciding to sit down and plan your first garden is you need to know when your last frost date is. Gardeners live and breathe by first and last frost date. Um, It is not an exact science because, as we all know, weather is completely unpredictable and that can change um, a little bit. 
but roughly you're figuring out when the timing is based on your last frost date. So it's a simple Google search. Almanac.com is a great resource, but you could just Google last frost date in your zip code and it'll pop up and tell you. So I, I'm pretty sure mine is like April 10th or something. Um, I really, I use that as sort of as my guide. So the rule of thumb is you start your gardening season is the time between your last frost date and your first frost date. So usually my first frost date is usually around the beginning of November-ish. So I have a really long growing season. So technically I can grow from April to November. Um, many of you might have a smaller window that you can grow. So it, it, you know, it, it's, it's okay if you have a shorter growing season, you just have to kind of be mindful about that and what crops you're going to, you're going to plant. But the first frost, the last frost date is the most important thing. You do want to know your first, uh, first frost date too, but for right now, we're just kind of planting our garden and we're kind of at the beginning of the season. Um, the next thing you want to do is you want to write down your favorite food crops that you want to grow. Like, what do you guys eat? And it does seem silly. And I've said this on previous podcasts. It's sort of like, well, duh, of course, I'm just going to grow what I want to eat. But I have talked to so many gardeners. I've seen it online with various people I follow that I learned from. And I experienced it myself that you can get really, you can get like sucked in and start to buy seeds of things that you might not even want, really want to eat. You know, because it's really pretty. I mean, I'm not kidding. I bought, I bought like okra one year because it was pink. I don't really like okra. I don't have enough space in my garden to dedicate to okra. I think if I had a huge plot, like a huge unlimited garden space, I might grow it because it's pink. And I mean, if you fry it, it tastes good, right? But like I'm a northerner, okra is not a thing for me. But I, I devoted garden space to grow stupid pink okra because it was pink. So uh, just trust me on that. Write it down um, and you will kind of, it'll open your eyes to kind of what your possibilities are. Um, and I, I recommend sitting down with your family, you know, get your kids involved, get your hubs involved. If you're, uh, if you are a hubs, get your wife involved and sit down, talk about what do we like to eat? Some of those things, you know, avocados, for example, depending on where you live, like I can't really grow avocados. I'm not tropical enough. I'm in North Carolina. So, you know, within reason, some of the things that people might say, I really want to eat this and you might not be able to grow it, but at least it kind of gets you started. And then once you have the list of all the different foods you guys want to grow, you kind of have to figure out if they're cold or warm vegetables. Um, I do have like a mini course on my website, unexpectedgardener.com. Um, once you go to that, my website, it'll pop up and say like, sign up for my mini course. And it's like, it's a mini course and it'll definitely give you some of this, you know, this knowledge so that you can kind of save it and refer back to it. But honestly, you can Google, like once you have your list, you can Google what are cool crops and what are warm crops. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, tomatoes and cucumbers, right? I grow a ton of those every year. They're one of our favorites. Those are warm crops. They like the heat. Um, they will not grow once there's a frost. Okay. Broccoli. Broccoli is a cool crop. Broccoli. I still have, it's, it's January and I still have broccoli growing in my backyard here in North Carolina. Um, Brussels sprouts, uh, cauliflower, cabbage, all cool crops. So 
they're not going to really grow well in the middle of the summer. They will grow great in the fall or the spring, depending on where you are. I can't grow them in the spring because it gets too hot too quick here. But if you're in a northern, more northern climate or northern zone and it gets really, really, it's like cold for a lot of the spring and you don't get really a lot of heat until like July, late July and only August, like you could probably grow broccoli in the springtime through early summer. So it just sort of depends on where you are. Um, but figure out what's cold and what's warm once you've written down your favorite crops. <clears throat> the other thing is, you know, I'm, and again, I'm talking to the person who does not have a garden yet. You know, this is your first year or what you're, or, or you're just, you know, you maybe you have a garden, but you, you know, you're really kind of your first full year of planning. I know the first year is a little bit of a blur because you're learning so much. Um, but, you know, you want to think about, you know, where your beds are going to go and like, how are you going to grow? You want to have six hours of sunlight minimum in the areas that you're growing vegetables. Um, I've, I had a reel, you know, go pretty viral on Instagram. And I think it's probably up to like 350,000 views. And I'm, it's still, it's been like a month and I'm still getting comments on it. And, you know, the reel was really, it's kind of what the story I just told you at the beginning where I sat around and like was dreaming about having more, you know, more acreage, bigger property, more growing space and like dreaming for that. But then I was like, well, wait, I got to start. I got to, God was like, you're staying here. And so I was like, well, no, I need to, I need to learn the skills right where I am. And that really resonated with a lot of people. So it's kind of been going viral and I have a lot of people asking on there on that reel just uh, yesterday someone asked I live in an apartment I have a small patio what can I do and the answer is you could do a lot and one of the things I say is you know study your patio and figure out are you getting six hours of sunlight there um, and that's something I recommend for everybody start just starting out especially if you have not installed garden beds yet you know get a piece of paper or a journal or whatever, or on your phone in the note section and kind of keep an eye on your backyard, your side yard, your wherever, wherever you're kind of envisioning a garden to be and keep an eye on when the sun hits it and how long the sun is hitting it. Um, because you want to make sure wherever you put your, your raised beds, your in-ground garden, your grow bags, you know, your vertical planter, whatever, wherever you're putting it, it's going to have at least six hours of sunlight a day. Um, warm crops need, they, they need eight, but six is the minimum that they can have. So that's kind of where you need to start after you figure out your frost date, you kind of have an idea of some crops that you really want to grow and whether they're cool crops or warm crops. And then you want to figure out where am I putting these? And, you know, it, there's such a varied, we, you can grow on just a patio. I grow a ton of food on my back patio. I have uh, three green stalks there. And if you don't know what a green stalk is, I'll list, I'll tag it in the show notes or link it in the show notes. So you can click on it and take a look. I have a $10 off coupon for them too. Um, and they're amazing because you can grow a huge amount of food in the pockets of a, it's like a tower, a garden tower. And it's made in the United States, which is one thing I love about it. You can go on Amazon and find like other ones that are made in China or whatnot. But the fact that this is made in the United States, it's a family, um, family business in Tennessee. 
and they're incredible. They really are. They're, they're my favorite way to grow. Um, and you can grow a huge amount of food in a small footprint. So if you only have a patio or like sometimes people, I've talked to people who have like a townhome and they just have a back deck or I even have a friend of mine has a, has a pretty good size yard, but there's so many tall trees that she has literally no light there, sunlight back there. So she's limited to her deck. So a green stock is perfect. Um, and so that's kind of where you want to be thinking, like, what am I using? Am I using an in-ground bed? Am I going to, you know, start with a green stock or some grow bags, things like that. Um, and then you kind of want to think about your water source, right? So you've got where the sunlight, there's enough sunlight to grow crops. Where is my water in relation to that? So those are all things you just want to be thinking about. Um, you know, do you have really large trees where you have a lot of shade in a certain part of your yard and you have no intention of removing the trees? That's probably not the best place to put your raised bed or whatever. Um, and then I have this snazzy little graph and you can definitely find it on my blog, unexpectedgardener.com. I really like it. It's, it's just a little graph, but it's really helpful if you get like a pen. Um, I use erasable pens. They're my favorite, but you could use a pencil or an erasable pen. And then you sort of draw out a rough sketch of where things are going to, you know, where your beds are, where is your green stock, like kind of where, where your gardening space is. And it can be tiny. It doesn't matter. It can be big. It can be small. Look, this is not, you know, this is not a contest to have the, you know, the best and most beautiful garden space. It does not matter. My garden space looks like a hot mess. There's stuff lying on the ground, you know. I'm not in the business of having an aesthetically perfect garden. I want to grow as much food as I can, um, as organically as I can to nourish my family. That's my goal. Um, and so that should be your goal. Don't compare to anybody else and, and don't wish you had more. Just be grateful for where you are and just work with where you are because where you are is awesome and you can learn so many skills right where you are. Um, so creating a graph is just a really fun way. You can just use regular graph paper if you if you have that. I like my my one because it's pretty. And then I have like a note section that you can list, um, you know, what you're what you're going to grow. Um, I usually have a graph for each season. So, you know, if you have if you have huge garden space, you know, you might have enough room that you can do like a spring garden with some cooler crops and then have a separate, you know, graph for when you're going to plant in your warm crops. I generally have to pull cool crops out to put warm crops in because I don't have a huge amount of space. Um, but it's really fun to kind of, the only way you're going to figure it out is in my opinion is to sit down, write it down, um, and get it on paper so you can look at it and kind of make a plan. Usually what I do once I draw it all out, um, I will have a list of what I want to grow, you know, like kind of separately. And then I start to plot where I'm going to plant the things that I want to grow. Um, there's a lot of variables like different crops need supports. Um, you know, like tomatoes, for example, tomato cages. Here's, here's the tip of the lifetime. Don't buy the crappy little tomato cages that you, you know, they have at Home Depot that are like this, like cylinder ones that are supposedly going to, they are not going to hold your tomatoes up. They will for a time and then they will fall over because they're garbage. Um, I use a cattle panel to support mine. 
I put it um, with T-post and attach it and it goes right through the center of the bed so that my tomato plants can, um, you know, grow up it and I secure them to it. That's sturdy as heck and they're not going anywhere. Um, but, you know, you, you definitely want to kind of have the list of what you're going to grow. If you've never grown anything before, I really recommend your first year to just go. I mean, it depends on your personality, honestly. Um, some people have the personality that they're like, I want it all. Give me all the information like a fire hose. And you just thrive in that environment. The more, the better. You jump in. Like if you are learning something new and you jump in with both feet and you're just like, you need you need the chaos and the information and the overload and that's like and energizes you then go ahead and grow more you know grow a grow a ton grow as much as you can if you're the kind of person that's like mm, i need my information kind of in bits um i need to feel confident in in one thing before i move on to the next thing then you might want to start really small maybe grow one tomato plant one cucumber plant and you know, and that's it, you know, just so you can learn the process and how to take care of your plants and how to prune it. And because, you know, you do have to prune tomato plants. Well, you don't have to, but you should. And if you, if you have like 10 tomato plants to prune and you've never done it before, it's like, what the heck am I, did I get myself into? Whereas if you only have one, it's obviously a lot easier. So you kind of have to know your personality. Um, but, you know, once you've figured out what crops you want to grow, and then you can plot them into your graph. Um, and I write right into the bed. Like if I have, um, you know, a, a four by eight bed on my graph, then I know I can grow X amount of crops in there. Um, you might need to refer to the seed packet. Um, or you might do an internet search to see, you know, if you're going to grow tomatoes. You know, tomatoes, I think you want to give them 18 inches between plants. Um, you know, if you're pruning really, really, really well, you could probably do 12. Um, I have never successfully kept on pruning all season long. By August, my tomatoes are like a crazy jungle, a crazy jungle of deliciousness, but it's crazy. I walk out there and I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, what has happened here? Cause they're crazy. So I need to go 18 inches because otherwise it's, you know, it's a little hard to handle. But if you're like a super meticulous person, I know people that are like so type A and very meticulous, perfectionist type people who could probably kill it in the garden and grow tomatoes 12 inches apart, perfectly pruned to one stalk, abundant, you know, harvest. Like I, I'm just not that person and I know that about myself. So I garden accordingly. Um, but th you know, that's the cool thing about gardening too. It's like, there's not really a perfect way to do it. You can, you can kind of get the guidelines and, you know, if you're going to grow your own seeds, like start from seeds, which I'm going to do a podcast episode about that next after it'll come out after this one. Um, you know, then you can just look on the seed packet. It tells you exactly how far to plant them. Um, but if you're, if you're going to buy an actual plant, you can go to the, you know, the, the nursery or whatever it'll say on the tag or you can ask somebody, hopefully. I mean, sometimes I feel like with like the big box stores, I'm not a fan. If that's all you have in your neighborhood or whatever, then of course you just shop there. But 
the little garden like shops or nurseries are better because usually the people that work there actually know what they're talking about. I found anytime I ask anybody a question at Home Depot, I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about, do you? Because it's like, you know, it's not really a, a professional that knows about gardening. But anyway, so you got your list. You start to plug in what you're going to plant in those beds. You are going to change your mind. That's why you need to use a erasable pen or pencil. I guarantee you, I have changed my mind a million times. Then that's totally okay. Because in the beginning, just have fun with it. You know, it's, it's January. It might be snowing where you live. It is not, you're not, it's not like crunch time right now. It is dreaming and fun time. Um, so if you're new to this and you don't have seeds and you want a seed start, I mean, there's some plants. When I say seed start, let me back up. I'm just, again, I'm talking to the person who's totally new at this. When you have certain crops that you have to start ahead of time because they need a longer period to grow than that you have, you know, even with my super long growing season, I have to start peppers and tomatoes, especially probably eggplant too. If I wanted to grow eggplant, I start them inside because, you know, and I'll probably start mine like next month. So that way, when I go to plant them outside, when, when it's the frost is, is totally, there's no risk of frost anymore and it's warm. I can plant it out in my garden and I've already had an eight week head start. So I'm not planting a seed in there. I'm planting an eight week old plant. That way I'm guaranteed to have a harvest before the frost comes. Um, so you have to either start them yourself inside, which again, I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, next week and I'll get, and I'm going to, I'm going to provide a resource list also next week so that everybody can get, if you want to do it, you can buy the stuff and be prepared for it. It's not, it's really not that hard. Or you're going to have to go to a garden center and buy a plant. <clears throat> I'm going to make a quick argument. I'm going to go on a rabbit trail, make a quick argument for why I think you should start seeds. Um, I will preface it to say is you are still a real gardener if you don't start seeds. Okay. If you go to the garden center and you go buy a plant, a tomato plant, you are absolutely a gardener. So that that's not what this is about. But I like starting seeds because when you go and buy a plant at a nursery, especially big box stores, you only can grow the varieties that they are providing you. In general, they're all the same varieties that you can, you know, that are like the most pop popular, right? So you can get big boy red tomatoes or, you know, whatever. There's like a certain amount, a certain variety that is appealing to most Americans that they make the most money of selling that, th that you'll have at your disposal. When you start seeds, you can get a beautiful seed catalog. I mean, which is so much fun. Grab a cup of coffee and you can sit down and you can look through these catalogs and, and it is unbelievable. The uh, varieties available to you, all different colors. You know, my favorite, I have two favorite tomatoes, Dr. Whitey's, which is like a, a yellow-ish orange uh, tomato. It is so sweet and delicious. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's a big one, like a slicer. They taste so incredibly good. And my second favorite is Paul Robeson, which is like a, <clears throat> I guess it's like a purple dark tomato. And it's so, it's got this smoky thing going. I don't know what the heck. It is so good. It tastes 
light years different than grocery store tomatoes. Once you grow your own tomato in your backyard and you pick it from the vine in the warm afternoon sun and you come inside, you don't even have to wash it. You can wash it if you want, but like literally you don't use pesticides. You know exactly where it grew. You don't even have to wash it. Slice that bad boy up. It is the most delicious thing you've ever had. And it tastes, you know, it tastes totally different than the ones you buy in the grocery store. One of my favorite person I've learned the most from, her name is Jess um, from Roots and Refuge Farm. She always says that grocery store tomatoes taste like disappointment. And she's completely right. I don't buy tomatoes in the winter because they taste like they stink. And I'm remembering these unbelievable tomatoes I grew in my garden. So when you buy, you know, and I can't find Dr. White G's or Paul Robeson in the store to grow myself. So, you know, I buy the seeds and I start them at home, you know, about eight weeks before I can plant them out. So that is the beauty of starting your own seeds. A packet of seeds might be $3. And then you have seeds in there for three or four years. I mean, come on. And then, you know, you can save seeds from your tomato too, if you want. And then you can plant those in the following year. So in my opinion, seed starting, it adds to the romance of the garden, which again is goofy word to use, but you'll see what I mean. Once you start growing, there is this magic that happens when you feed the soil you plant your plants, you plant your seeds, you grow these unbelievably healthy plants and you produce this delicious food for your family that's more nutritious and tastes way better. It, it's, it's romance. It's romance. It woos me. My garden woos me. The crazy garden, it's hot outside. There's, you know, it's overgrown. It's crazy out there. And I just walk out there and I'm just overcome with gratitude and like, wow, this is amazing. So starting from seeds, hopefully I'm convincing you, it's not that complicated. It feels really complicated when you think about it, but it's not. And I'll walk you through that next week. Um, but I, I recommend doing that because you, you know, if you can just grow everything you can just buy in the store, it's like, all right, well, I mean, cause you are taking effort, right? You're taking effort and expense doing this. It just, it just doesn't feel as fun. So, you know, start from seeds, it's, it's fun and you can grow so many varieties. Once you open up your first seed catalog, um, I will, I can, um, I'll drop in my favorite, um, seed companies in the, in the show notes and you can sign up for their catalogs. Um, I know Baker Creek is one of my favorites. They have one that you can pay for. That's like, I mean, it's like a Bible people. It is, it is a lot, but they have one that's free that's not as thick and the free one's totally fine. You don't have to spend 12 bucks for the big one. Um, I just got the free one. Um, but it is so much fun to look through there and to dream. And then you get your family involved. You know, you get your kids involved. You know, I know so many of my clients, their kids would say, oh my gosh, I love those cantaloupes are so cute. Can we grow those? And, or whatever. And, you know, and then you've suddenly, you've got the next generation um, being excited about growing food, which is really, I mean, isn't that why we're all here? Um, so, okay. So hopefully you'll, hopefully you'll start seeds ahead of time. Um, but you know, you can plot out like kind of where you're going to plant based on the distance it needs. Um, I will recommend, 
an app to you. Um, it's called Seed to Spoon. It's free. You can you can pay for a premium membership if you want. Um, I really love that, especially as a new gardener. They did a great job of making a super easy, non-overwhelming app where you can look and say, I want to plant a tomato. You type it in and it pulls up tomatoes. And it does give you some different varieties. But I mean, essentially, it's tomatoes are two categories, indeterminate and determinate. Indeterminate means it'll continue to grow for infinity as long as it's healthy and it's not cold. Uh, determinate means that it, it'll grow a determined amount of fruit. Um, so those are really the, the biggest differences um, aside from, you know, cherry tomatoes or saladette tomatoes or slicers or whatever, like paste, like there's all different varieties of tomatoes. Tomatoes is the gateway. It's the gateway crop. Once you start growing tomatoes, you're like hooked. Um, I might even do a podcast about tomatoes, honestly, about all my favorite varieties because it's that fun. Um, but seed to spoon is really helpful to help you with spacing and companion planting. Um, it can get pretty confusing out there when you start, at least for me, when I start reading on the internet about companion plants and don't plant this near here and make sure you plant this with that. And it's like, what? And it gets, it's too much, but seed to spoon's great. Cause you can literally, they have a cute little tab. It says friends and enemies and you can tap friends and it tells you what crops grow well together and the reason why that is is some crops might be uh, nitrogen heavy so they're pulling a lot of nitrogen out of your soil and then you have another crop that might be a nitrogen fixer which is putting you know nitrogen back into the soil you don't want to plant two nitrogen heavy feeders next to each other because you're essentially really depleting your soil of nitrogen so there's some science behind who you should plant, you know, with what, what crop, with what crop. But, you know, it can be overwhelming and I can't remember it all. So seed to spoon is wonderful because it's a really easy way to kind of get that information in your hands. And then it can even help, and it tells you about when you put in your zip code and it tells you approximately when to plant plants out and how far apart. It's very helpful. Um, I am hosting a garden planning workshop um, this month. It's on the 21st of January. It's a Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And it's 20 bucks. And I will send you a copy of my, uh, my graph. I'll also send you a free copy of my, e, my ebook or my, my gardening for beginners guide, which is really helpful. And it has a lot of the information I've even talked about today um, to kind of help you with your planning. And then we're going to get together on the 21st and we're going to do it real time. So we're going to spend an hour together. You're going to have your planner in front of you, your, your graph in front of you. Um, maybe you've already plotted it out. Uh, I'm going to um, offer like question and answer ahead of time. So people can send me their questions. I can kind of tackle that. Um, and then I, um, I really want to have a Q and a time during too. My husband's going to kind of man the, the chat, but we're going to talk about you know, we'll talk about frost dates, cool and warm crops. We'll go over that in more detail, when to plant, spacing them. Um, and then everybody who comes, you're going to get my free gardening for beginners guide, which is $15 if you bought it. So $20 for this workshop, and then you get a $15 valued um, guide. But then you're also going to be entered to win a premium membership from Seed to Spoon, which is really, these are great. This is an the thing I love about them is they're just regular folks. 
she's just a husband and wife who really were like, we really should create this, an app for this because we really need this information. And they're just a, you know, a family, you know, so supporting them is, is really cool. And so they're going to pick a winner of all the attendees um, to win a premium membership to Seed to Spoon. Um, so that's very fun. So if you're interested in that, um, there's going to be a link in the show notes. You can click that. You can secure your spot. And then once you buy the workshop spot, you'll get an email with the graph and my um, Gardening for Beginners guide. I think Gardening for Beginners is really, really helpful um, because if you've never done this before, it's, you know, it's going to kind of take you through the process. Um, and then I like to use the notes section in my graph um, for a couple of reasons. So I might, you know, if, I, you know, in my green stock, like for example, this year, one of my green stocks is going to be dedicated to medicinal herbs. I'm going to do like an apothecary green stock. And so I'm going to pull everything out of there. I'm going to freshen up the soil that's in there, amend it with some, you know, worm poop. And then I'm going to plot out my medicinal herbs that I want to grow in my green stock. So I really do need to sort of plan that ahead of time and write it down. So I might put on my graph where the green stock is going to be located. And then in the notes, I'm going to list everything that I want to plant in there. Um, and then that helps me determine, you know, I might not have seeds. I don't, I don't, I have a lot of seeds. Like I have, I counted, um, and I pulled a bunch of seeds aside to give away at the local seed swap. At, we have a woman's homesteading group in our area. If you're in, uh, Raleigh, Wake Forest, Youngsville, Roseville area, you are invited. It's, um, it's on the 20th of January. It's a seed swap. It's wicked fun. We get together once a month as a group of homesteading slash gardening slash sourdough women. Um, but I pulled a bunch out to give to that and I still have 33 varieties of tomatoes. So I have a problem um, for sure. Tomatoes is like my favorite thing to grow, but I know I don't have everything I need to grow in my green stock, um, medicinal herb green stock. So I'm going to kind of plan that out and then I'm going to get my seed catalogs out and I'm going to figure out where I'm going to buy the seeds in order to fill up my green stock, or maybe I'll get them at the seed swap when we're there um, on the 20th. So, um, you know, once you've kind of, this is, it's such a helpful process because you, you kind of write down all your spaces where your beds or grow bags or whatever your growing spots are. You think about where your water source is. You're, you're planning this crops you want to grow and, and then you, then you can say, okay, I'm ready to purchase the seeds that I need to start them. Um, a lot of things you can plant seeds right in the soil that are gro fast growing. Like for example, cucumbers, they grow pretty fast and, and I have a long growing season. So I just, I don't start cucumbers ahead of time. I usually just plant them, the seed in, in you know, in the soil. Um, so You'll be able to buy your seeds and kind of make your plan. If you're going to buy plants, you can kind of plan ahead. This is a great way and it's, and it's kind of a work of progress. I always, um, you know, I take a ton of things and erase it and then I redo it. You know, I mean, it's kind of the way it is, you know, you're, you, you know, you're not going to get it perfect the first time you might change your mind about what you're going to plant where it's really, really, really fun. Oh my gosh, I just saw a typo in my, I'm looking at my, my plan your garden and there's a typo on it. 
I can't believe nobody's ever told me that. I hate that. I guess I got to fix that before I ship that off to everybody. But anyway, hopefully this is helpful and kind of get you excited to sit down and finally make a plan. Um, and you've got plenty of time, you know, even if you're seed starting, you know, you're not going to start seeds until, I mean, February, you know, I mean, maybe you can even start them later. Some people, their last frost date's not till May. So you have plenty of time to kind of start this, put it down, think about it, pick it up again and make more plans. And I hope this is just helpful and kind of getting you started. And just remember, you know, your garden is going to be a source of food and sustenance for your family, but it also is going to feed your soul. There's something so therapeutic, um, scientifically so, but but beyond that, getting your hands in the soil and taking a seed and growing delicious food from this tiny little seed is so incredibly healing. And so I really hope that when you start to plan out your garden, that you're selecting varieties that just bring you a ton of joy and that are going to be delicious and just a new experience for your family. I, I suggest you stick with the things that you know and love. But, you know, add, if you have space, add one or two brand new to you varieties. Um, you know, maybe you guys haven't been big on sugar snap peas, for example. Um, but they're easy to grow. They like cooler weather. If you have a, a longer spring, you can grow them in the spring and kids love them. You pull them right off and they're crunchy and sweet and delicious. So, you know, pick something that maybe you don't really know if you like, but it can be a fun experiment with you and your kids. Um, or you and your, your spouse, but just do it, just do it. Cause you will not regret it, um, at all. So I am excited to talk about seeds starting next week. And if you have any comments, um, or questions about my workshop, um, shoot me a DM on Instagram and I'm happy to answer, uh, those questions for you. And I hope to see you on the 21st at my garden work planning workshop.